You may have a seat. So we are quickly approaching the end of the summer, and we're quickly approaching the end of 1 Corinthians as well. Uh, next week, we'll be in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, and, and most scholars say that that's the pinnacle of the letter. So this week, we're in chapter 12, right at the end of 12, so we're just right there, real close to the main point that Paul wants those in Corinth to get. <clears throat> Keith and I went to the Tobin Center this week to see Clint Black in concert on Thursday night. Uh, when I looked at the seating chart before the concert, I thought, man, these are great seats. We have terrific seats. But when we took our seats and were several songs into the concert, I had this thought. These are the worst seats in the house. Uh, it was all because the guy who was seated directly behind us spent most of his energy and most of his voice disrupting the concert. He yelled out at the strangest times really loudly, and he talked and he cursed nonstop. And at one point, he called my six-foot-two husband a punk. I took that as my cue to quickly find other seats. Believe it or not, this is similar to what's going on in Corinth. It seems that a few people are disrupting worship. Now, this is not a concert led by an old country and western singer, but this is worship led by the Holy Spirit. And there are a few who are disrupting worship with words that have no cue. While they're not hostile and they are spirit-filled, no one can understand them. They are unintelligible. So others can't tell whether or not they are being called out as a punk or they are being called out as a hero. Paul's response to this issue takes up three chapters in 1 Corinthians. It starts at the beginning of chapter 12 and goes through the end of chapter 14. So our scripture passage for today begins in 12, verse 12, and we're going to do parts of this passage through verse 26. Would you read it with me? For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weakest are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior members, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. So this 
image, this metaphor of the body and the many parts of the body takes up a greater piece of chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians. And it was a familiar image to those who lived in the ancient world. It was used often, but it had a very different application. The body and its many parts was most usually used to support the social hierarchy that was in place in any town, city, any part of the ancient culture. So it was a way of saying to people, everyone keep your place, especially if you are an inferior or a lesser member of the body, remember your place. So here's an example of how it was used in the ancient world. One uh, teaching metaphor for this for the body in its part said this, a revolt of the hands, mouth, and feet against the stomach weakens the body. So uh, the logic is, in this particular use of the metaphor, that the hands, mouth, and feet are to work to get food to the stomach so that the body can then be strong. Uh, you could even say it is the place of the hands, mouth, and feet to feed the stomach with healthy things, right, so that the body could then be strong. So you don't go to dinner and have a dozen cupcakes and some soda, but you eat healthy things, and that feeds the stomach well. That's the place of the hands, mouth, and feet, and then the body is stronger. So the common understanding in the first century when this metaphor was applied was just remember your place. Remember who you are. And especially if you are an inferior member of the body, you work for the more important, significant parts of the body. Come into alignment and keep the body working correctly. So what Paul does, which I think is just genius, and Jesus did this often as well, was he, Paul takes this common image, this common metaphor, and he tweaks it. He messes with it a little bit. And he makes two very new and important points about what is to be valued in the Christian church. The first thing that he says is to be valued in the Christian community is diversity. Diversity is significant. Diversity is important. And here, not only does Paul say that different is better, there is part of this passage that says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? So not only does Paul say that different is good, but he says, remember the importance of the inferior parts of the body. Verse 22 says the members of the body that seem to be weaker are in fact indispensable. And this goes against my common understanding of how groups work. So often when I'm in a group, I think, oh, if we could just shed the weakest members of this group, then the group's going to be better. But Paul says, no, that's not the case. Those that you think are the weakest members of the group are in fact indispensable to the strength of the group. So the first value is diversity. The second value is unity. And when Paul writes about unity, he doesn't just say you're a team and you're in this together. But he says, really seek to understand one another. This unity is about really getting one another. The end of the passage says that the members of the body care for each other so much that when one member suffers, the whole body suffers. And when one member is honored, the whole body rejoices. So it's not a setup of competition, 
but it is instead a setup of really understanding, really getting one another in a group. And the two work together, these two values, this value of diversity and this value of unity work together. You can't have one without the other and have the body of Christ. We took our family on vacation this week, the first part of the week. We left here last Sunday and returned home uh, Thursday afternoon. We went to Washington, D.C., and when we were in Washington, D.C., we often found ourselves in large groups. That's, this started when we got on the airplane in San Antonio, boarded the plane to fly to Tampa, to then fly to D.C. And I suspect that when, um, when the flight attendant looked over the plane, when she looked over the plane at everyone sitting in seats, we all looked the same to her. I suspect that we looked like a group of behinds a group of rear ends, just behinds in seats, that she didn't see any distinction, any difference in what we are about or how we could work together. But what she saw as she looked out over the plane was just a bunch of butts in seats. We also went uh, to restaurants while we were in Washington, D.C. And I suspect that any waiter that looked over a restaurant where we were seated just saw a bunch of mouths. A bunch of mouths to be fed. Didn't see different parts of the body, but everybody looked the same. We also rode the metro in D.C. And so I I bet that the employee of the metro who uh, looked at us, greeted us each morning at the same station that we went to, uh, besides seeing us as tourists, she also saw us as a set of feet who were looking to get from one place in Washington, D.C. to another place in Washington, D.C., that everybody who rides the metro just a set of feet looking to get from one place to the other. And we went to the Smithsonian Museum. And in the Smithsonian Museum, we saw the Hope Diamond. And I bet that the employee that was in the room of the Hope Diamond, when she looked at us and the 50 or 60 other people who were crowding around trying to look at the Hope Diamond, she just saw a bunch of sets of eyes. There were just sets of eyes in that room hoping to look at the artifact. In each of those cases, while we were in groups that were pretty big, every person in the group played the same role. We did not, in those groups, experience how other people were unique or had something different to offer offer to the group. And we didn't work together as a group. So the end result of being in a group where everyone plays the same role is that we just become consumers. We all have the same goal to accomplish, and that goal that we want to accomplish when we're all playing the same role is our own satisfaction. It's our own placation. We didn't work together. We didn't get a clear picture of the other members of the body. And I do wonder how often this dynamic creeps into congregations because it is so readily at play in our culture. We're just used to being in groups. We're used to being in large groups and taking in what we want uh, to satisfy ourselves. So this is the dynamic of unity, but without diversity. So it's unity, no diversity. But another impairment of the body of Christ would be to have diversity and no unity. Diversity without unity, I believe, leads to isolation, and it leads to competition. 
So one of the things we did this week when we weren't going to concerts or traveling around Washington, D.C. was watch the Olympics. Did you guys watch some of the Olympics? We loved to watch the swimming this week uh, because we were really into seeing what Michael Phelps was doing, what he was up to. So there were a couple of images of Michael Phelps this week that reminded me of this idea that diversity without unity is an impairment to the community. Diversity without unity is an impairment to relationship. There was this image of him with Ryan Lochte, you know, but they were about to race one another. And one way that I heard it described was that they had this bromance so that they understood each other. They were individuals. They were different, but they appreciated each other. They were friends nonetheless. So they got how one another was unique, how they were diverse, and uh, they appreciated one another. But then there was this image that was early on in the week that was so funny to me. It was in the locker room. Phelps was sitting in the corner of the locker room. He had a hood over his head. And standing in front of him was this swimmer from South Africa who uh, was dancing around, shadow boxing. And they looked completely at odds. They looked completely different, like they didn't get each other at all, just irritated with one another. That's it. That's the dynamic I'm talking about. That's diversity and no unity. So you've got to have both in the body of Christ. You've got to have diversity and you've got to have unity. Because I believe that that's when the body of Christ is most visible. Those are the conditions that are ideal for seeing the body of Christ at work. It's kind of like looking at stars in the sky. The best conditions for viewing stars are what? It has to be dark. (laughs) Exactly. It's got to be night. And it needs to be clear. A cloudless sky. So you don't see many stars in the city because it's not really dark. And you won't see many stars when it's raining, even if you're in the country, because the clouds will cover them up. Conditions have to be right. Conditions have to be good. And right conditions for viewing the body of Christ are these two values at work, unity and diversity. Last spring break, we went to Fort Davis, uh, and we went to a star party one night at the McDonald's Observatory. And if you really want to see the stars and the constellations that they create, this is the place, because it is really dark in Fort Davis, in West Texas. And if the sky is clear, this is a great place to see the stars. At the star party, there was uh, this uh, astronomer who had a laser light. And he would take this really powerful laser light, and he would point to the stars, and he would kind of outline the constellations. And when he used that laser light to outline the constellations, I would say, oh, I get it. I see it. I didn't see it before, but now I see Orion the Hunter. I didn't see it before, but now I see Capricorn. I didn't see it before, but now I see Scorpius. I have had similar experiences in recognizing the body of Christ. There are places, there are times when that outline of the body of Christ is made crystal clear to me. When we were in Washington, D.C., We took the metro from our hotel to several different sites around the city. And each morning we went to the same metro station. And each morning the same man stood outside that metro station trying to give away papers to all who passed. He would say, free paper. It's free. Free paper. It's free. 
I must have heard him say it 50 times as we went there four different mornings. And I never once saw a person take the free paper. But the last morning that we were there, I saw something really cool. The last morning that we were there, the guy who was directly behind me, getting onto the escalator, said to the guy who was giving away free papers, Hey, Sam, how's your morning? And I smiled and I thought, I bet what I'm seeing is the body of Christ at work here. Because the laser light was identity. The guy before me, the guy behind me, valued the man in front of me enough to know his name and to take a few minutes to stop and check on him to see how he was doing. He knew him as a beloved child of God. I think I saw it. I think I saw the body of Christ right there on that escalator in D.C. Then there's David McNitsky's office on Tuesdays at 11 o'clock. We have a pastor's meeting there every week. And we don't gather around the problems of the church. We don't gather around vision casting at that time. But we gather around scripture. We gather around the text that's going to be taught for that week. And there are different pastors that come from all over the city. Probably 15 or 20 of us each week. They're male and female. Uh, There's some city and country pastors. There are Hispanic pastors, and there are those of us who are really (laughs) white-white. Some of us have had lots of formal education, and some of us have been educated by the school of hard knocks. But we come together because we have a high esteem for the scripture. And we question, and we disagree, and we suggest. And when we're at our best, we really listen to one another. And when that happens... I know I hear the body of Christ. One summer, I traveled with uh, the New Zion Choir uh, on their summer mission trip. It's just a few years ago. They went to Estes Park, Colorado. I know that sounds like roughing it. It doesn't, does it? But it was right after that flood that devastated the canyon that sits outside that tiny town. And so we were assigned to work in and around a group of five or six houses in the canyon that were destroyed by the floodwaters. One homeowner that we came in contact with each day had actually watched her next-door neighbor's house with her neighbor inside of it lift off its foundation and be washed away. Some of the group worked in the river picking up trash. Others worked in homes scrubbing floors and walls and sinks, some painted. Some of us built a rock wall, and almost everyone who was there collected debris at some point, and we piled it together in a big giant pile to be picked up for the dump. At the end of our work there, together we pushed a stalled-out, totaled car across a bridge to our debris pile for the dump. (laughs) It was a victory. Every person there had a different list list of tasks to accomplish, and every person there worked on the same job site for the same purpose, to help people who needed our help. I'm pretty certain I felt Christ's presence there. And then there's worship. The obvious laser pointer. 
It is exactly the place where the Corinthians are struggling, but it is also exactly the place that Paul believes Christ's body can be most visible. Now, I have witnessed the body of Christ many times in worship. I think it's because my job description is such that it pushes me to show up for worship. (laughs) It pushes me to show up with my strengths and my flaws, to be real, and to appreciate others who contribute to a time of worship. So I want to tell you about a time in worship when I saw the body of Christ when I wasn't speaking or planning for that worship service. It was about 15 years ago. I took a Sunday morning off to have my middle child baptized. We went to the sanctuary service here at Alamo Heights Methodist Church for this baptism. Now, many times in worship, we encourage people to press in. (laughs) Press into worship. You know, really give it your all. Bring all that you have. Depend on the Spirit. My life experience has taught me as I've raised three children and watch others raise children that no one presses in more than a parent who brings a child to be baptized in a worship service. I mean, think about it. When you are bringing a child for baptism, you are bringing with you not just yourself. You are usually bringing your extended family. Oh, that's fun. And not only your extended family, but you get to bring your in-laws as well. And then in most instances, families are bringing an infant or a toddler for baptism. And they can't control that infant or toddler. That is pressing in. It is, I think, one of the hardest things that we ask people to do. The only equivalent that I could think of is if I asked you to show up nude for worship. (laughs) It is such a hard thing to do, bring a baby to be baptized. So that morning, I'm pressing in, and we walk to the front of the church for the baptism. And my three-year-old spontaneously decides to stick her hand up in the font and play around. Remember her baptism. That was sweet. I won't forget it. (laughs) But here's when the body of Christ was so evident to me. After the baptism. After the baptism, it was time for what the sanctuary service calls the intercessory prayer in their order of worship. And Pastor Donna Streeb was going to lead the intercessory prayer. And what she usually says before she prays is, if you are able... Would you kneel or would you bow for prayer? Oh, I need to tell you the date of this baptism. The date of this baptism was September the 16th, 2001. So Donna asks people to bow or kneel and all of a sudden, clunk, 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 all the kneelers in the sanctuary hit the floor as every person, and there were about a thousand people in there, hit their knees to pray, to pray for our country, to pray for those who had lost their lives in 9-11, to pray for our leaders, to pray for ourselves. No one in there thought that the prayer was too long. No one in that worship service thought that the worship service was boring. Everyone was tuned in. They brought all that they had and all that they were within to worship. That was the laser light worship, the body of Christ.
What's true for the Corinthians in the first century is true for us as well. The body of Christ is no longer a one-man show. The body of Christ involves all of us. When we put the weight of the body of Christ on one person, it's as if we are saying, we don't have a Savior. You have a Savior. You and I both have a Savior. We live in the time after the After Pentecost, in the time of the Holy Spirit, we are together, the body of Christ. All are invited. In fact, all are required to be a part of the body of Christ. No one is isolated, and no one is asked to to conform. What you bring that is unique is valued. You are the body of Christ, and you are individually members of it. Would you pray with me? Eternal God, we bless you and we thank you for the gift of a Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we bless you and we thank you that after his resurrection, you sent the gift of the Holy Spirit to unify us, to encourage us, and to bring us great freedom. Lord, we seek to be the body of Christ. So often we are fractured or divided, and so we ask that your Holy Spirit would bring to us great healing, that we might gain insight to see where we have brought divisions, to see where we have brought hurt and pain, and to recognize the healing that you freely give to us. Lord, we ask that you uh, would strengthen the body of Christ that we would become not only strong but athletic, and that we would run the race that you have set before us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.